Welcome to Building with Brick, Foundational Wisdom on Coaching, Careers, and Christ. This leadership podcast was spawned by Coach Brickner's book, So You Want to Be a Coach, which is the story of a corporate executive who made a drastic career change and became a head men's basketball coach. Dr. Brickner's book is available in paperback, ebook, and audiobook on Amazon.com or go to his website, www.drjoebrickner.com. That's drjoebrickner.com. Now, here's this week's podcast. Welcome back, folks, to part four of our podcast with Bill O'Connor. This is Building with Brick, which is foundational wisdom on coaching, careers, and Christ. And Bill is a role model for this. He has had 41 years of coaching, 21 of them at Rockhurst University, where he's the all-time winningest coach there. Billy, I wanted to ask you, did you have any career regrets? If you think think back over those 41 years, any career regrets? Well, uh, from a career standpoint, having the opportunity to go to college and get into college basketball was a, a tremendous boost for me. I, I think I could have continued to teach and coach at the high school level, but I wouldn't have been very good at it because I realized my heart's just not in that. I do firmly believe I can teach. But I would tell you this, I think I, I was like many people who went into teaching because it gave them a chance to coach. Mm. And that's the wrong way to do it. If you're going into coaching because you can teach, that can work. That can work. The other way around is pretty short-lived. You won't last long. But from a, a career mistake was me leaving my family at Colby to go to Pan American for a year. We couldn't sell the house. And so I was down there for eight nine months, I would get back every two, three weeks, but that's no way to make a living and that's no way to do what you're supposed to do. And uh, at the time, I thought it was fairly important from a career lengthening, uh, career enhancing move. But when you look back on it, that was something I would never do again. Uh, I wouldn't do it because it's just wrong thing to do. And I would have had to find another path and uh, probably would have. Probably would have, but so to answer your question on that, that was one that I regret tremendously. But the other part of it is if I could have realized that I wanted to be in college right from the get-go, I might've pursued that path a little differently also. Mm. Okay. Why do you think, talk about this a lot in my book, why do you think so many guys want to be coaches? Again, the short answer is everybody thinks they can coach. Uh, <laughs> there is some humor to that. But there's also an element of truth. These guys think that this is easy. I, I think a lot of people, once they get into or uh, get associated with coaching, find out it's a little bit different animal than what they, they saw from the outside. But I will tell you this right now. Just because you happen to be a good player does not mean you're going to be a good coach. Just because you're a bad player doesn't mean you're going to be a good coach. Coaching is managing Coaching is administrating, coaching is instruction, coaching is enthusiasm. It's a combination of many, many different ingredients that go into a recipe. And I contend that the longer you do it, 
the more you understand how the recipe goes together and the quicker you are to get to that recipe, and hopefully that will uh, result in success for you. What type of advice would you have for a young coach? I think he does uh, kind of piggybacking what I said a few minutes ago. I think you might want to sit there and go, what level do I want to achieve? Where do I want to be? And uh, be honest with yourself. If uh, grade school or high school position and coaching and teaching is something you'd love to do for the rest of your life, then pursue that and go for it and do everything you can to get to, the, to achieve that level and then uh, make your success the best way you can. If you aspire to go higher than that, the quicker you get to that level by camps, by introductions, by volunteering, by whatever you need to do, good for you. I do think it's the people that get into that level uh, at the earliest opportunity that have the best chance to get to that level eventually. They used to say, if you played NAIA basketball, you'd be an NAIA coach. If you played D2, you'd be a D2 coach. If you played mm -hmm. D1, you'd do that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I'm not so sure that's true. Although I will say the window to Division I basketball now has changed and shrunk itself remarkably. And if you're not somewhere near that level, it's virtually impossible. I don't think you'll see a Division II coach get another opportunity. Oh, I, I won't say ever, but uh, you'll see it more at the football level than you will in basketball hmm. uh, because it's just the nature of two different sports. Somebody's won five national championships in football. Don't be surprised they come knocking at his door. That might not be true in basketball because it's just they perceive this uh, gap in level. And I will say this again. I said it earlier, Joe, and I'll say it again. Some of the best coaches you and I have ever run into are high school coaches. Mm -hmm. If your stuff's good at the grade school level, it's probably going to be good at the high school level. It's probably going to be good at the college level. And some of it will be good at the pro level because there are ingredients to the game that are consistent with every level. Coaches that can recognize that have a, have a hand up on it. You know, I think one of the things that people don't realize is you're making the point about the NAI coach, NAI player becoming an NAI coach, et cetera, whatever level you are. Most of the time, it's all about contacts. It's all about relationships, you know, and if you create that relationship and, and you see it all the time at Division One, some player will become a grad assistant for somebody like a Bill Self or Calipari or something. If, if you can get one of those grad assistant jobs, you got a great chance of having a career as a college division one coach, but it's all about relationships. There's no doubt. And, and I would just say this, is, you know, again, in 1980, the odds of jumping in and, and, and getting at that level are were significantly, would have been significantly easier then than they are today. Mm -hmm. uh, because of the nature of the bureaucratic buildup of how big sports at college has gotten. But I will tell you one thing that nobody will ever, will never hurt you, is that be relentless in the opportunity to volunteer, to get involved with every program that you think you can work on and work with. Because, you know, if you're working for nothing, but you're willing to work, somebody notices. Right. And if somebody notices, an opportunity could come. Here's another little snippet I believe in. I believe that some of the most fortuitous bounces in my favor 
have come from some of the smallest things that I chose to do right. Something that most people would never notice. But if you come into a, an opportunity and you give it your best shot, be assured somebody will probably notice that. And if they do, don't be surprised if somewhere along the line, the ball might bounce the way you want it to bounce for you in terms of an opportunity to be a GA or to get with a program or get a recommendation to go to another program mm -hmm. and join them. And then, then you take it and you run with it the best way you can. But uh, it's tough. If, you're, if you don't have some direct association at that highest level, it's, it's hard getting into that country club, I'll tell you. But I think it's doable, especially if you're young. How about some advice to younger coaches, especially this shouldn't happen at high school. It does, but shouldn't, especially at the college level where you're recruiting. How do you relate to the people that you have recruited? They become your players. Is, is it different than when we were there? I mean, when, when we were playing, I mean, it was almost like you had a drill sergeant as at least one of your coaches. And is that still the same today? I don't think so at all. I think that, number one, I think you can go back and talk to Coach Beheim, Coach Krzyzewski, Coach Self, go down the line, all these guys that have been around it forever. They started out when it was still that drill, drill sergeant approach. And it may be more so real quickly here. At the high school level, that high school coach used to be the guy, right? I mean, he, it was his way. I don't think that's true at all today. I think a young coach coming up needs to be able to communicate. I'll go back and keep mentioning that you must show the player that you care. If you can communicate that you care, if that shows through, good for you. That is tremendous. But you got to be able to communicate. And then when I get down to the X's and O's of the game, I do think it's critically important that coaches provide relevancy for the player. The player has to know why is he doing what he's doing? Mm -hmm. To use your example, when the ball moves, you move over there. And this, you do that, okay? They need to know you move over there because you are helping everybody else on the team defensively by your movement. They need to understand that. It has to be something they can relate to. And once you do that, big believer in this, I'll share it with you, and I'd love to hear your feedback on it. Make it relevant, make it competitive, make it repetitive. Relevant, competitive, and repetitive. Because you don't assume that it's going to sink in in one day. You just keep harping on why it's important, and then you put it in a competitive situation. Because kids love to compete. Yeah. Practices should be made up of competition because that's what kids love to do. Well, if you've made it relevant and you've made it competitive, you'll also, you, they won't get bored if it's repetitive as long as it's competitive. I, I don't want to mix, mix my terms there. I hope you understand. No, that's that's a great point. It really is. I, and I found that when I was coaching that if, if we had a competitive drill, I don't even care. I don't care. At, at the end of some practices, I used to do this. You know, a lot of times you, you run and, you know, just kind of beat the hell out of them and try and get them better share. At some of the end of some of our practices, we'd have a half court shooting contest and the loser would have to run. 
you know oh my god they love that you know and, and <laughs> even even when when a guy on one team would hit a half court shot the other team would cheer you know even though they were going to have to run and it was whoever hit the first half court shot was the winner and and just just stupid little things like that i mean it was fun but it was competitive like you say i i think you make a great great point well it's an interesting if i could jump on that because the enthusiasm your players showed there, you know, as a coach, that just lifted you up. You know how that made you feel because you knew they were buying in. So let me kind of, uh, again, kind of uh, uh, jump on that point. I certainly believe when you instruct your players that if you've done a good job instructing them, pretty soon they start coaching themselves. And when they start coaching themselves, you're in good shape. How do, you, how do you know that? You know that when they start asking questions, questions about what we're doing and what about such and such. That means they're invested. And if they're vested, that means they're in. Our chances for being successful go up proportionally to their interest. And therefore, if you make it relevant and you make it competitive and it is repetitive, the opportunity to find out pretty soon they're asking you the questions instead of you making the points it, it starts working the right way, you know you're in then. You know you've got, you've got commitment. And I just think that's critical. Today's player wants to be part owner. Mm. They want to be. Mm -hmm. And part owner, hey, I'm all in. You get to play. We just sit over here and do our thing. But those guys get to play. And so uh, how you structure your practice is really critical. So whether it's a young coach, middle-aged coach, or old coach, Structure your practice is critical to your success. One thing I think that some coaches do make a mistake on is when a question is asked that they don't answer it or they get angry, you know, start yelling at the kid, you know, you don't get paid to think. You do what I tell you. And, and that's when you lose them. That's when you huh. lose them. No doubt. Uh, that same situation could be handled with, you know, Jack, I'm so glad you brought that up. Mm -hmm. let's take a look at this what she's what he's what he's asking there is this and bang 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 trust me when i say this and i'm not going to be too i don't want to be too naive about this those situations create an opportunity for you if you want to handle it that way right and that's that's the important thing right. handle it as an opportunity any questioning or insight you get from the player should be welcomed <laughs> because that's going to bring everybody involved mm -hmm. and uh, that's all good for your team I agree. So, well, Billy, I've known you for a long, long time, and uh, you've always been in really good physical condition. How do you keep your, your shape up? <laughs> well, I think you better, if there's a, an optometrist in your neighborhood, you might want to <laughs> schedule an appointment here shortly. I do think, though, it is uh, God allows us to stay in relatively good shape and gives us relatively good health. I think we're all required to keep moving. In my particular instance, uh, I do like exercising. Uh, I'd like to, uh, you know, five or six times a week, make sure I do something physical. I find out I just feel better. And all those things go together. So um, I'm certainly not in this uh, peak of physical fitness, but I'm still moving. And that's good. 
so they, I think it's important, Joe, and uh, I'm not in as good a shape as you are, <laughs> but uh, but uh, I'm always hoping. Uh, <laughs> I started this, when we started the podcast, I watched you learn how to play guard. I'm watching you learn how to stay in shape. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going well, full circle. For those who don't know, Billy and I do work out together periodically. And uh, yesterday we actually played full court one on one. And there's two seventy plus guys out there playing full court one on one. I'm sure the people that were upstairs on the track looked down and thought, "What the hell are those guys doing? Get your phone, call nine one one." Well, the only thing I can tell you, Joe, is I'm not going to tell anybody what the scores of those games were because I, I'm not very happy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll leave. I'll leave it at that. So well, you you've always you've always been kind to me and let me win, so it's it's been <laughs> it's been fun. <laughs> Last question, Bill, before we end this is, uh, what are you doing today to stay close to the game? Well, I'm very fortunate. Uh, I retired from college basketball seven years ago. Now it'll be seven. It'll <clears> be seven <throat> at the end of this year. Wow! So six full years ago. <clears throat> And I was going to say, hey, that's it. And then I got a guy asked me, a, a high school coach that I really like and admire, Hall of Fame guy on the Missouri side, Mark Scanlon. He said, uh, you want to help? And it was O'Hara. And I had worked at O'Hara before. So I said, yeah, I'll help you out. Did it. Loved it. The next year, uh, a good friend of ours, as you know, Coach Kolich, needed help. And I went with him for a couple of years, a couple of three years. So I've been doing it off and on. And then uh, last year took a year off, but I would do, I would help coach uh, or do clinic or uh, one day clinics, uh, one day stuff for the parish or whoever, because the game's the game. And if kids are willing to listen and try to get better, let's go for it. That, that's kind of what you can give back. So when I have coaching opportunities this year, I'm coaching a CYO team, which is something else. Uh, but what I find is, again, is that uh, relating the uh, strategy, seeing it unfold on the court, seeing the kids realize, hey, this stuff does work, and then seeing them invest in themselves and try to get better, uh, I find that very, very rewarding. So uh, the game's not too far away at all. I'm still close to it. Well, what you're not sharing is this is the first time I think you've coached girls, right? The CYO <laughs> yes, thing? True. That's, that's true. Yeah. My granddaughter happens to be on that team. And because of a, a few situations, they had no coach. Uh, anyway, I chose to, uh, to do it. And I, I, I'll, I'm going to stick by this. I really do believe this, that they're better for me than I am for them. And so that's a good thing. But it is a learning experience on both sides of the spectrum. <laughs> oh, that's terrific. Well, Bill, this has just been wonderful. I've really, really enjoyed and you and I, I mean, we get into discussions and, and we, we'll talk for an hour straight just about basketball and it's amazing. But to be able to sit down and have some time to actually go through something, it's a little bit structured. This has been great. And thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge well, with us today. If it's okay, give me about 30 seconds. I want, first off, just thanks. Thanks for allowing me to visit with you. Also, I think it's really important that you we're very, very successful in business and in coaching. So that's two careers. A lot of guys will leave coaching and go into business. Not very few people go from business into coaching. Yeah. Uh, you did that very successfully. 
And I just think it's something that is important for both you and me is whatever you choose to do, as long as you enjoy doing it, you keep doing that as long as you can, because you're going to be good at it. And if you enjoy doing it, thank you, Lord, for that opportunity. So, Joe, thanks a lot for having me on today. Oh, it was great, Billy. And uh, now tomorrow when we play one-on-one, you got to let me win again. All right. The streak continues. Yeah. (laughs) We'll talk soon. (laughs) Take care.